Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. Sports today. What is up, everybody? Happy Monday. Welcome into Fantasy Sports Today. I am Frank Stanfield. No Craig Mish for the start of the show. He'll join us in hour two. He is out at Detroit Tigers camp right now. Getting some awesome interviews for the rest of the week as well. It's the most wonderful time of year. We're 17 days away from opening day. March Madness is coming as well. And people are starting to draft. The drafts are underway here in fantasy baseball. I've got a 15-team auction later on this week. It's a crazy weekend. It's Tout Wars this upcoming weekend. The NFBC main events. We are going live this weekend as well. I will be participating in the Tout Wars head-to-head points auction on Sunday as well. So the prep is ready and rearing to go. Speaking of prep today on the show, we'll have a Kansas City Royals fantasy baseball preview. What's more exciting? Then the Kansas City Royals, Mike Matheny, the new manager of the team. We'll get into Adalberto Mondesi, Salvador Perez, and the rest of the group when it comes to the Kansas City Royals as well. And of course, we had a weekend of baseball, which means we have a ton of injuries to talk about as well. My man, Willie Calhoun. This was supposed to be the Willie Calhoun season. Unfortunately, gets hit in the face with a 95-mile-per-hour fastball from Julio Urias yesterday. Uh, We have some news from Justin Verlander regarding his triceps injury. Trey Mancini mysteriously leaves camp from the Baltimore Orioles. Hope everything is all right with Trey Mancini as well. Uh, Blake Snell back on the mound today. Obviously, the awaited return after getting the cortisone shot in his elbow. He'll be on the mound at 1 p.m. Eastern time today against the Toronto Blue Jays. So we have a lot to pay attention to throughout the rest of spring training, but specifically today with Blake Snell on the mound. Tomorrow, Michael Kopech makes his debut for the Chicago White Sox as well. I have a nice guest joining me later on in the show, a special guest from 11.30 to noon Eastern time here on the show to help me break down everything that is Kansas City Royals related. We'll go into the starting lineup for the team, some prospects to pay attention to. Uh, The Kansas City Royals actually have a few speedy prospects in their organization. If you're doing these draft and hold drafts right now over at the NFBC or just deeper AL only leagues, names to pay attention to if you want speed late in your drafts, potentially two guys that can help us make an impact this upcoming season. All right, we'll get into all of that today here on Fantasy Sports Today. But before we get to that, we have Dan Strafford here with a Sports Grid News Update. Well, Frank, as you alluded to, Justin Verlander was removed from Sunday's Grapefruit League outing because of right tricep soreness. Astros manager Dusty Baker said after the game that Verlander's removal was precautionary. He is, however, being sent for tests. We wait word on the results. A couple of Yankee updates. Gary Sanchez is scheduled to take batting practice at some point on Monday. 
Sanchez dealt with back soreness over the weekend. James Paxton could start throwing by this Wednesday. Paxton had back surgery earlier this year. Willie Calhoun, as you mentioned, sustained a fractured jaw after being hit in the face by a pitch during Sunday's Cactus League game. He's expected to undergo further testing at some point today. A 95-mile-an-hour fastball to the chin. Michael Kopesh will make his Cactus League debut on Tuesday versus the Rangers. The elbow issue hopefully subsiding for him. Mark Topkin of the Tampa Bay reporting this morning. The Rays and outfielder Austin Meadows have been discussing a long-term extension. In the NBA, the Lakers took care of their co-tenant. The Clippers on Sunday night. LeBron James helped push L.A. to a 112-103 win with 27 points, 9 assists, and 7 rebounds. Just three games on tap for the National Basketball Association tonight. Charlotte is at Atlanta. Milwaukee at Denver with no Giannis Antetokounmpo. And Toronto at Utah. The Buffalo Bills and quarterback Josh Norman have agreed to a one-year deal worth $6 million with incentives that can reach $8 million. And the BNP Paribas Open tennis tournament set to begin this week has been called off after a case of the new coronavirus was confirmed in the Coachella Valley in Southern California. The Riverside County Public Health Department declared a public health emergency Sunday for the desert cities 110 miles east of Los Angeles, including Indian Wells, where the ATP and WTA tours were to play the two-week tournament starting Wednesday, obviously with March Madness. Not far away, we'll see if this affects other athletic outings. I'm Dan Strapper, and this has been your Sports Grid News Update. Thanks as always, Dan Stratford. Fantastic sports grid news update there. A few things that I want to touch on, obviously. Uh, Willie Calhoun, the big name for me. Obviously, uh, Justin Verlander, uh, an early round pick for fantasy baseball purposes. But I got to start off with Willie Calhoun. He is one of my guys. He has been for a long time. If you watch the fantasy BFFs, you listen to the fantasy BFFs, you know that this was the year I was hoping would be the breakout for Willie Calhoun. As many people were suspecting as well when it came to Calhoun last year, 21 home runs in 93 in 83 games. Excuse me for Willie Calhoun, and it seemed like he finally had that everyday starting role with the Texas Rangers locked up. He was set to be their left fielder to start the season. Last year, we thought that was going to be the case. He gets sent back down to minor league camp before the season starts, and, you know, we got a taste of Willie Calhoun last year a little bit with the 21 home runs and only 83 games, and I thought this was the year that we can see the big 30 home run season out of him, 270-plus batting average, hitting in the middle of that lineup with the Texas Rangers, so there was a lot to be excited about and we're still waiting to find out what's going on obviously has a fractured jaw he was hit right on the chin 95 mile per hour fastball from Julio uh, Urias yesterday as well so uh, just devastating news for Willie Calhoun obviously if you drafted him in fantasy baseball already I'm not dropping him I've seen some speculation that it could be six weeks from now so maybe that brings us to the middle the end of April. He misses about the first month of the season, but this does open up some playing time, obviously, for Nick Solak, who was competing with Danny Santana for the starting center field job early on in camp, but now uh, looks like he might have an opportunity to play left field for the Texas Rangers, filling in for Willie Calhoun. He was the player who actually replaced Willie Calhoun yesterday in the lineup uh, in left field as well. Reminder, Nick Solak, just 25 years old, and you know there was some hype around him early in fantasy draft season, but as we come along here, we didn't know where he was going to play or where the playing time was going to be for Solak. And in a lot of leagues right now, he only has utility eligibility from a fantasy perspective as well. So uh, if he does get that opportunity to start in left field um, in this season, 
from the get-go here on opening day with the Texas Rangers, then you're looking at, depending on how your league is set up, five games in the outfield, then he'll have the eligibility. Maybe it's 10 games. I know over at the NFBC, the National Fantasy Baseball Championship, you're looking at 10 games before you gain eligibility. Last year, Nick Solak, 25 years old, hit 289 with 27 home runs in AAA and 33 games in the MLB. Five home runs with a 293 batting average and 11% walk rate. So he has a good eye at the plate, good on base percentage as well. Uh, so Nick Solak, someone who you know maybe rises up draft boards a little bit more this weekend given the news on Willie Calhoun. Justin Verlander, the other big news that came out this weekend. Can spring training just end already? Between Justin Verlander, Chris Sale, Blake Snell, Carlos Carrasco has elbow inflammation now as well. Mike Clevenger, Luis Severino. How many starting pitchers are we going to lose before opening day? Now, I don't know if we've officially lost Justin Verlander, but he's dealing with a tricep injury right now. He has tricep soreness. Earlier on in camp, he was delayed because he was dealing with a groin injury. I need to remind you, Justin Verlander getting up there in age, mid to upper 30s now, uh, you know, this upcoming season for Justin Verlander. There's some concern there. Obviously, the older you get, the more susceptible you can be to injury. And, and you know, a tricep injury is something that he has dealt with in the past as well. So he's sent for more tests. We're waiting on results when it comes to Justin Verlander. But as I mentioned at the top here, we're about 17 days out from opening day. Is he going to be good to go for opening day? I'm starting to lean towards no, and I have actually dropped him in my rankings behind Walker Bueller and Max Scherzer because I don't have any doubt about those guys being ready for the start of the season. So obviously, you don't want to take on too much risk early on in your fantasy baseball drafts, and Justin Verlander is a bona fide first-round pick this upcoming season. Uh, but now I think he drops more so into the beginning of the second round, maybe the middle of the second round. The question you have to ask yourself is, do you take a Shane Bieber? Do you take a Jack Flaherty, a Steven Strasburg over somebody like Justin Verlander now? Uh, me, personally, I'm not going to go that far yet until we get more news when it comes to Justin Verlander as well. Trey Mancini. Very mysterious what's going on with Trey Mancini right now with the Baltimore Orioles. And obviously, we hope everything is all right with him um, health-wise because he is having a non-baseball medical procedure done. He is away from the Baltimore Orioles right now and will miss, quote, some time. So we don't have a timetable when it comes to Trey Mancini. Uh, and, and things just seem a little... A little grim right now when it comes to Mancini. I saw a tweet from him over the weekend, and I can read that out to you guys uh, so we can kind of uh, dissect this situation together. But obviously, Trey Mancini someone that broke out last year. 35 home runs, good ballpark to hit in with the Baltimore Orioles. First base, outfield eligibility. And he had this to say over the weekend, I want to express my heartfelt gratitude to everyone for their kind sentiments and well wishes. It further drives home the fact that I am surrounded by the best family, friends, teammates, and fans that I could ever ask for. Once there is more clarity, I will be sure to keep everyone updated over the next few days. I look forward to a healthy recovery and being back on the field soon. Again, with Trey Mancini, nobody knows what the issue is with him. Uh, we send out our best thoughts to Trey Mancini and, and his family while he goes through whatever he's dealing with. Uh, but obviously, uh, it's a wait-and-see approach when it comes to Trey Mancini. If you drafted him uh, in fantasy baseball, don't go, don't go ahead and drop him yet because we have to wait to find out more. Uh, apparently, he was dealing with flu-like symptoms, so per potentially something related there as well. Uh, so keep your eyes out on Trey Mancini of the Baltimore Orioles. Blake Snell, I mentioned, he is on the mound today. This is great news. Hopefully, he can respond well. I don't know how deep he's going to go into this game against the Toronto Blue Jays. The Blue Jays have already announced their starting lineup as well. They're going with A-Squad. 
So they're not, you know, letting Blake Snell off easily here in his first game back in action in spring training. Uh, you know, maybe he goes one inning, maybe he goes two innings. I doubt he goes much more than that. But pay attention to Blake Snell. He's been consistently going in the fourth round of 15-team leagues that I've been participating in over the past couple of weeks as he deals with this elbow injury. So if we get some good news today, we could see Blake Snell move back up the draft board, whether it's the early fourth round, maybe he moves back into the third round as well. Pitching in general is going to move up the board this time of year. Again, NFBC main events go live this weekend, so we'll have data there uh, in terms of their average draft position in those main event leagues. I'm participating Sunday. Like I've said, I'm a madman when it comes to fantasy baseball. I'm very excited. One of the best weeks of the year is this week. All right, when we come back, we have three up, three down here on Fantasy Sports Today, live on the Sports Grid TV network. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Frank Stanford. Now what goes up must come down. Three up, three down. What does three up and three down mean to you, Airman? End of an inning. Welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today, live on the Sports Grid TV network. I am Frank Stanfield. No Craig Mish here in the first hour. He's out at Detroit Tigers camp. He will be joining us via the phone line in the second hour of the show here today, getting some awesome interviews for tomorrow's Detroit Tigers preview. That is Craig Mish. But to help me for the rest of the first hour here on the show, three up, three down, a little Kansas City Royals fantasy baseball preview as well, I figured I need somebody who knows me well. Somebody who rhymes with Craig. And I thought, there's no other person I can get than Greg Sussman. What's going on, Greggy? No one is better suited for a Kansas City Royals preview than me, Frank. That's true. That's what they've said in the past. Uh, there's no bigger Hunter Dozier fan out there than uh, Greg Sussman. So we'll dive into I actually that like Hunter a little bit later on here. Yeah, <laughs> I like Hunter Dozier as well. I got an interesting nugget from Hunter Dozier over the weekend as well. We'll get into that a little bit later on. But, Greg, let's start off with three up, three down. Three trendy topics in both fantasy baseball and maybe something a little pop culture related as well. Jesus Lazardo, Greg, I don't know if you saw this over the weekend, uh, but trending up, yeah, Jesus Lazardo. So is his ADP. Oh, my goodness. Three and a third innings pitch, one earned run, eight strikeouts Saturday against the Seattle Mariners. It was against the Seattle Mariners, so I guess you take it with a grain of salt. But, Greg, his... His NFBC ADP in March is up to 117. He is SP32 off the board. He's SP33 in my ranking, so I don't really have a problem with it. The main problem with this, though, Greg, is over the weekend, in the NFBC main event, you see people do things that they've never done before. Like, they don't throw ADP out the window. I'm telling you right now, Greg, Jesus Lazardo will be a top 100, potentially top 90 pick this weekend in the NFBC main event. And I don't know that I can get behind that. But where he's going now, pick 115, I'm all right with that. But if he goes much higher than he is right now, I don't know that I'm going to be able to get involved with Lazardo. I know this is music to your ears because you have him as a keeper in one of your home leagues, Greg. Yeah, Lazaro's my guy. I'm a pitcher number 30 right now here uh, in my rankings. And I think that you you saw 
the electricity over the weekend. I was, my lips were just, I was loving it, man. Um, look at my lips all weekend long. And I think we've talked to a lot of high stakes players. They're always going to go out and get their guy. And I think it's important to remember that. And in all drafts, you go out and get your guy. I got Jesus Lazardo at 30. I got Brandon Woodruff at 29 and Zach Wheeler at 28. What you're seeing from Lazardo, the excitement around him, you're going to go out and get your guy. And it doesn't surprise you what happened in the NFBC. It's going to happen in real drafts too. The more he does in spring training, the more people are going to want him. Lazardo, if he can stay healthy, could have a monster season, Frank. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. It's just a matter of how many innings are you going to get. And from a Roto perspective, that's fine. That helps you, you know, when he's on the field this year, when he's on the mound, he's going to be really good. Could potentially give you Chris Paddock-like numbers from last year, but 130 innings, maybe they push it to 140. Uh, I don't think that you're going to get much more than that out of Lazardo this upcoming season. So from a head-to-head points perspective where the innings and the volume matter a little bit more, uh, maybe you bump Lazardo down there. But in Roto, I think when he's on the mound, he's going to be really, really damn good. And I'm predicting he's going to go off the board around SP25 this weekend as a potentially 6th, 7th round pick. Again, that is Jesus Lazardo And Greg, Bryce, Harper, another name here trending up 5 for 13 in the spring so far. And you don't want to overreact too much. But he has three home runs, three stolen bases. Greg, they're letting Bryce Harper run during the spring. He stole second base and then he stole third base on the very next pitch over the weekend. Uh, his NFBC ADP in March is up to 21. He has moved ahead of J.D. Martinez. I don't really have a problem with that. In fact, you know, I'm considering moving him ahead of J.D. Martinez in my rankings as well, just because Bryce Harper will give you something on the base pass when it comes to stolen bases, but I actually saw a draft where he went in the first round of a 15-team league, and I think if you're drafting Bryce Harper that high, Greg, you're expecting him to get back to where he was a couple of years ago, near 300 batting average, over 300 batting average. The strikeouts have been a real issue for him over the past couple of seasons. You know, if I'm projecting the batting average for Harper, it's probably in the 270 to 275 range. And in my opinion, that is not a first round pick, Greg. Yeah, the thing with Bryce Harper, Frankie, is exactly what you stated. If he can give you the numbers that he did four years ago, you're getting a first round pick. Do you trust him to do that? I look at these guys running in spring training, and I feel like a guy like Bryce Harper just wants to test it out, right? It doesn't mean he's going to all of a sudden steal 25 bases. It just means, like, hey, I got this in my game. Let me just practice it. That's what spring training is. It's practice. I know that he belongs in the first round, and I don't know that he's going to have the power of a J.D. Martinez, but I like Bryce Harper because he is one of these players that can do a little bit of everything. Certainly in on-base percentage leagues, Bryce Harper does it all. I like Harper. First-round pick in a 15-team draft. It's a little tight for me. I'd rather him in the second round. I do like Bryce Harper, though. Something you brought up there, really interesting point, though, is in OBP formats, I don't have a problem with him being yep. a borderline first-round pick there. As you mentioned, Greg, uh, 372 OBP last year, consistently around 14 15% walk rate, uh, has a career 385 OBP as well. So in that format, I don't mind Bryce Harper being a borderline first-round pick. Just a little reminder for you, last year, his first season with the Phillies, the mega contract, obviously a lot of pressure. Through May 31st last year, he hit 248 with a 30% strikeout rate from June 1st on he hit 267 with a 23.6% strikeout rate so if he can continue to work on that strikeout rate and lower it I think he can get to that 270 275 batting average uh, but again 
that is uh, something that he needs to work on here this upcoming season, the strikeouts for Bryce Harper. He is someone who is trending up in fantasy baseball right now. Greg, I know that you're not a big UFC guy, not a big MMA, uh, combat sports kind of guy, but did you have a chance to watch any of the fights this past weekend, uh, specifically the uh, female fight between Yuani and Jacek and Welly Zhang? Did you have an opportunity to see that, Greg? I saw the results on Twitter, and I saw people talking about it, including yourself, Frank. On Twitter, I, I, it looked like a brutalizing bout that the fight after that could not follow, from my understanding. No, it, it definitely did not follow that. Or it did follow it, just didn't didn't follow it well and yeah. did not live up to the expectations that many had for it. Uh, but this fight was absolutely insane. UFC 248, Yoanian and Jacek and Weli Zhang. Uh, one of the best fights I've ever seen, not just from a female perspective. I'm not just limiting it to that. Uh, here's an image for you of what Joanna looked like before the fight versus after the fight, Greg. I mean... Gosh, this is uh, this is scary. I mean, they they really left it all out there in the octagon, and you know she narrowly is defeated uh, by decision. But man, she uh, the forehead was all messed up. Her head was like deformed. It was crazy, uh, which is a nice transition here into uh, our trending down because obviously. Um, this image of Joanna is trending down for her uh, right now as well, but just a phenomenal fight uh, and very fitting that it was on the weekend of International Women's Day as well. So shout out to those two. They did a great job, left it all in the octagon. Greg, trending down here, our boy, Gary Sanchez. I feel like not many people are talking about Gary Sanchez right now. Uh, he's dealing with a back injury. Surprise, surprise. The Yankees, their training staff, they have no idea how to handle injuries the past couple of seasons. Dan Strafford spoke about this a little bit in the news update. Uh, he's going to hit batting practice today. Great for Gary Sanchez. Uh, but he's played right around 105 games per season over the past three years, Greg. We did our catcher preview last week. It seems like we're not really going to have much Gary Sanchez or JT Real Muto, but uh, should we start downgrading Gary Sanchez a little bit more? I mean, this guy is never healthy, and as usual, he's not healthy now either. I don't think you can downgrade him more because I think what you're getting with Gary Sanchez is that prolific power. He's number two behind JT Real Muto because you don't know that he can play a full season. You don't know if the batting average will be there. I think he got, he's got to remain where he is. All catchers get beat up. It's frustrating with Gary. Because you know he's going to go on a downward streak because of a back injury or whatever reason. I think he's still number two for me. It's very, very frustrating. But catchers in general are all frustrating. I trust Gary Sanchez and that bat more than I do Grandal and Contreras. Not necessarily to stay healthy, but with what he can do with it. He remains my number two catcher. Yeah, I think that's well said. You know, he's not going to help you in the batting average, but if he ever managed to stay healthy for 120, 130 games, the guy can hit 35 to 40 home runs at the catcher position, which is just so, so valuable. Worth mentioning, uh, Yasmani Grandal, Greg, you brought up the name. He did return over the weekend, and he was catching as well for the Chicago White Sox. So uh, something I spoke about last week on BFS was the fact that we haven't really seen Grandal yet as he's dealing with a calf injury, but he did return this past weekend. Greg, I think we were all kind of shocked and surprised by the news from uh, out of Brooklyn Nets camp this this uh, past weekend. Kenny Atkinson let go randomly. Um, obviously, there's something going on with the players here. They're talking about potentially because he benched DeAndre Jordan and you know Kyrie Irving and, and Kevin Durant. Look, if they liked Kenny Atkinson, if Durant and Kyrie wanted Kenny Atkinson around Greg, he would be the head coach of the Brooklyn Nets still. Um, but he has gone from 20 wins back in 
uh, back in 2016 when he took over for the team, up to 28, 42 wins last year, wound up making the playoffs, and they're sitting in the seventh seed right now, and he's done a great job uh, developing players there with the Brooklyn Nets. Greg, how surprised were you by the news that Kenny Atkinson let go by the Brooklyn Nets? I have no idea what's going on there. Yeah, that was stunning to wake up to, Frank, on Saturday morning, right? Kenny Atkinson being gone. Like, Whoa, where the heck did that come from? And he... I don't get it, to be honest with you. I thought he did a nice job holding this team together with Kyrie in and out of the lineup and obviously now out for the rest of the season. But they didn't think he was the answer long term. I know Kyrie and KD have gotten a ton of the blame, and the rumor is that Kyrie wants to bring in Tyron Lue as the next head coach of the Nets. We'll see. Sean Marks has had a nice handle on that team. And if Sean Marks is the one that made the move, well, you got to trust that he knows what he's doing. We've given this guy a ton of credit over the last couple of years for the team that he's assembled I want to trust him. I, think, I still think Kenny Atkinson is a fantastic coach. Very frustrating sometimes with the rotations. Maybe the players were getting frustrated by those rotations. But Kenny Atkinson certainly knows how to build a program up. Now we got to see if he's able to sustain it uh, and win with a program once it's built up. Obviously, he was not able to do that with the Nets. So they move on. Jacques Vaughn, the head coach for the remainder of the season. Last but not least, we're coming up on the break here. I did want to touch on this. It looks like the new Los Angeles Rams logo has been leaked as well. I don't know what's going on here. I know that they're going to share the stadium with the Chargers, but how is this not the Los Angeles Chargers logo? Yeah. This looks exactly like what they've had all along. And now, you know, the Los Angeles Rams, apparently this is their new logo. So, I don't know. They're sharing the stadium. Maybe they're going to share logos as well. We'll see what happens when it comes to the Los Angeles Rams. All right, when we come back, we'll get into the Kansas City Royals from a fantasy perspective. We'll dive deeper into their lineup. We'll do that here on Fantasy Sports Today. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Frank Stanford. Welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today, live on the Sports Grid TV Network. I am Frank Stanfield. Craig Sussman, my best friend forever, sitting in for Craig Mish here in the first hour as we dive into our Kansas City Royals fantasy baseball preview. Shout out to Chris Bavona with the music there as well. Uh, the Royals, here we go, diving into their lineup, Greg. Um, at first glance at this lineup, what is your reaction here? Because I think most people will look at the Royals and say, well, oh, they've been held under 60 wins each of the past couple of seasons, Greg, not really regarded as one of the better lineups. But I will say, if Adalberto Mondesi is healthy for this lineup, Greg, I don't think that it's such a bad one. At least the first six names here, and there's you know some upside a little bit later on in this lineup rounding it out. I don't think it's as bad as we've seen the past couple of seasons. Agree or disagree? Greg? I do. I, I agree. The Royals are not going to surprise anybody because they're not good. But I think this lineup as a whole does have some interesting pieces. We know, of, of course, about the power of a Jorge Soler. We'll see if he could do it again. I know you don't love Whit Merrifield specifically at the price. I like him a little bit more. But like that top three of Merrifield, Modesty, if he's healthy, like you mentioned, and Soler, like, that's really good, right? Like, you have two table setters that can do a lot of damage on the base path and your monstrous power hitter. That's a really good start to the lineup. And if players like Hunter Dozier produce, why not? 
All right, so let's jump into this lineup, Craig. You mentioned the top two there with Whit Merrifield and Adalberto Mondesi. Uh, speed for days. It's just a matter of how healthy will Adalberto Mondesi be this upcoming season playing shortstop for the Royals. Obviously had shoulder surgery in the offseason. He has yet to appear in spring training, but says that he is getting close uh, and should be ready for opening day. Whit Merrifield does have outfield and second base eligibility, which helps because second base is a garbage position this year, Greg, for fantasy. We have spoken about that numerous times already. Uh, Whitmerry feels someone that could give you a batting average, potentially 20 steals as well. Jorge Soler, the big bopper there in the middle of the lineup. Hunter Dozier had the breakout season last year, Greg. 279 batting average, 26 home runs, 84 ribbies, two stolen bases, and this was the nugget that I found from over the weekend. Uh, Jeff Zimmerman with Fangraphs does mining the news every couple of days where he basically just finds a bunch of random news that can help us from a fantasy perspective. And this quote from Hunter Dozier really stood out. I think if I'm an outfielder, which I will be this year, I definitely want to steal more bags. Maybe not as important as a third baseman, but as an outfielder, yeah. I want to get more. Mike Matheny, their manager, confirmed Dozier can get more stolen bases as well this upcoming season. So I don't think, you know, we're looking at 15 to 20, but, you know, maybe 5 to 10 stolen bases out of Hunter Dozier, uh, something that he can chip in for your fantasy teams as well. Alex Gordon, the ghost of Alex Gordon, just won't go away, expected to bat fifth here and play left field for the Royals. Salvador Perez, uh, one of my main catcher targets this upcoming season, missed all of last year with Tommy John surgery, but I think it's something that can actually help him. He's someone who is consistently on the field more than any other catcher. He's played so many games over the past couple of years, so many at-bats. Uh, I think that having the year off is something that could actually help Salvador Perez uh, with the longevity of this season and potentially his career as well. So uh, one of my catcher targets, Salvador Perez, Ryan O'Hearn, Michael Franco, and Nicky Lopez rounding out this lineup as well, Greg. So uh, anything else stand out to you? You mentioned uh, some of the top names there. Uh, what do you think about this quote from Hunter Dozier? Do you think it's possible he could steal more bags. I mean, this is a team that has been able to run in the past, but I will caution some people, Greg, that under Mike Matheny, the St. Louis Cardinals never really ranked highly in stolen bases while he was with the team from 2011 through 2018. So what do you think about that quote when it comes to Hunter Dozier? You hit the nail on the head, Frank, that what Mike Matheny did in the past is a good example of what he could do in the future, and he didn't run all that much with the Cardinals. I don't think it really affects Mondesi and Merrifield so much, but I don't think if Hunter Dozier remains in the cleanup spot, that he's going to be running all that often. You want Hunter Dozier to run into outs? Probably not. I understand he's athletic. He's going to play more of the outfield this year, and that's all well and good. But I don't think your cleanup hitter is going to start running into outs and all of a sudden become a 20-base stealer. Like, for sure, he can get you 5 to 10 stolen bases. Fine. I don't think it's unreasonable. But I don't think he's giving you 10 to 12. I don't think he's giving you 10 to 15. That, that, I don't buy it. This sounds like spring training talk um, and, and hype that won't actually happen. I like Hunter Dozier. I think he has some ability to produce at the plate, and I think he's a, a good uh, late-round flyer. But I don't really have any expectation that that's going to result in more steals by any means, Frankie. Um, I, you bring up Salvador Perez. You talked about him a lot. It's something I was thinking about over the weekend as we were discussing some of the other plans that we have for our auction this Thursday. Is all these old guys that you like, and Salvador Perez included, like... I know we haven't seen any signs of the drop-off from Perez, from your boy Charlie Morton, or any of these other older players, but at some point, it does catch up to you. We've seen steep declines from a guy like Buster Posey at this position in the past. Even Posey has played more first base, but don't you think that there is a chance that a guy like Salvador Perez does make it back, but just isn't necessarily the same player that 
all this age, all this wear and tear does catch up to him despite having the year off? Yeah, there's definitely a chance, Craig. I mean, there's a chance <laughs> anything can happen. Anything is possible, as Kevin Garnett would say. But, um, yeah, look, when it comes to Salvador Perez, I actually think that the year off is going to help him. I mentioned that as well. I understand, you know, so much wear and tear. I mean, this guy has been on the field so much over the past couple of seasons. He had 471 or more at-bats in six straight seasons as a catcher. That is just unheard of. So, yeah, there's definitely a downside. You can, you know, paint the best-case and worst-case scenario for every hitter, and you almost have to take that into account, but I still do believe that Salvador Perez is one of the safer bets at the catcher position. Just hard to find offensive production at that position. We spoke about this on the BFFs, Greg. It's really like the top seven, eight guys that you expect to really be contributors offensively. Uh, and then, you know, you know, take your pick where your second pat, uh, catcher if you play in a roto league because most roto leagues still do use two catchers. But I think Salvi Perez safe for you know, 250, 260, 20-plus home runs. Uh, and, again, at that position, that's something that is going to help you hitting in the middle of the lineup. And, you know, maybe he DHs a little bit here and there and plays first base because I don't think Ryan O'Hearn is, you know, obviously the long-term answer for the Royals. I believe uh, McBroom is the name that is going to be the platoon partner for Ryan O'Hearn at first base uh, here for the Kansas City Royals as well. Obviously, the big name in this lineup, Greg, the breakout star from last year is Jorge Soler. Uh, and what what he did in the first half versus the second half just completely broke out in that second half, Greg. And a lot of it comes down to, you know, striking out less, hitting the ball harder in the second half. So, again, the numbers in that second half, 71 games last year, 299 batting average, 25 home runs, an OPS over 1,000 for Jorge Soler versus the first half where he still hit 23 home runs but only hit 240 with an 804 OPS. Again, limited the strikeouts started making more contact, and made about as hard contact as anybody in baseball last year was Jorge Soler, uh, someone that I'm kind of buying into if you need power in those middle rounds. Greg, is he someone that you are interested in this upcoming season, or do you look at last year as potentially a fluke and you're kind of buying in on the career year that was 2019 with Jorge Soler? No, I don't think it was a fluke, Frankie. I, I'm buying Jorge Soler here this season because this is a guy that didn't come out of nowhere, right? He was a guy that we were in on year after year after year that finally put it together here in 2020. He's a former top prospect for the Chicago Cubs and, and never got the opportunity to play every day. And even in 2018, he battled those injuries, right? He played 61 games in 2018. So he didn't get an opportunity to not play every day, not necessarily it was his fault, but he was hurt. What do you want him to do? So last year, he was healthy, and as you noted, turned it on in that second half, although the power itself was there in both halves. Essentially, uh, in the same exact amount of home runs in the first and the second half, the average went up. He became a more complete hitter. I'm buying what Jorge Soler is, who has legit 40 home run power. Sure, the juice ball helps, as it helps everybody. But we're talking about a guy that's 28 years old. He's in the prime of his career. The power is absolutely real. I, I like Jorge Soler. I'm in. Yeah, I'm in as well. I think he just progressed last year as a hitter in general, sure. Greg, because he lowered the pull rate a little bit. He started hitting the ball more to center field and opposite field, so just progressing. And that second half, again, I mentioned this, but he upped his walk rate by 7%. I think that's something that's often overlooked, Greg. You play in an OBP format as well. Jorge Soler does have a great eye at the plate. He's going to walk. He's going to get on base. He lowered his strikeout rate by 6% in the second half. The hard hit rate went from 43% to 51%. That means every time he made contact, 
one of two, like, you know, every two balls that he would hit, one of them would be hard contact. So that was Jorge Soler last so, year. So I, I think if you look really, at Jorge Soler, Frank, yeah. uh, even even further, in 2017 to 2019, right, you got the same exact walk percentage. He walked 10% of the time no matter what you do. The average remains yeah, the same exact guy. in 2018, 2019, 265. The OBP, the same in 2018, 2019, 354. Those numbers or what they are, that's the kind of hitter that he is. And I'm, that's great. I'll take a 265 hitter with an OBP here in that kind of league of 354 happily. The real big thing that changes the walk, the walk percentage you mentioned and the power, the prodigious power, he found it there in 2019 with the uh, hard hit rate going up. I'm sure the launch angle changed. I mean, he got better. This is what you want at 28 years old to get better. Fine, maybe he doesn't hit 50 home runs. He hits 40 home runs instead. Maybe it's 38 home runs. He got a lot better from 27 years, 26 years old to 27 year old, 27 years old. I think the Jorge Soler you saw last year is a more uh, clear example of what he has been in the past. Again, just better. Yeah, and I agree with all of those points. And you know, we're probably not getting 48 home runs no. out of Jorge Soler at the Juice Ball last year. Uh, we don't know what ball they're going to be using. Still trying to figure that out for the upcoming season. But I think 35 to 40 is fair. And you know, at the time when we did our uh, outfield preview here on the show, I said, "Look, why would you take Giancarlo Stanton when you could get Jorge yep. Soler two, three rounds later?" Now those ADPs are a little bit closer because of the uh, the injury to Stanton. But I do think you know, again, 260, 265 with 35 to 40 home runs out of Jorge Soler. Um, you look at the StatCast numbers, everything was up there. 16.9% uh, barrel rate, 7th in baseball. The average exit velocity, ridiculous as well. Uh, Greg, before we hit the break, any love for anyone in the back lineup? Michael Franco, you buying back in? Nikki Lopez, anything there? I kind of like both of them, Frank. Specifically in an AL-only league, right? Like you got to draft everybody in an AL-only league. But like, Nikki Lopez was the one prospect when five of them came up last year. I'm like, Nicky Lopez is going to stay. He's going to bat every day. He could be at the top of the lineup. He runs. He's got a little bit of speed. Why can't Nicky Lopez be good? I like Nicky Lopez more than I like Michael Franco, but I kind of like both. Yeah, I agree with you. As a reserve round player in a 15-team league as well, uh, Nicky Lopez, a name to pay attention to. All right, when we come back, we'll dive into the starting rotation and the bullpen of the Royals. Ooh, fun, here on Fantasy Sports Today. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Frank Stanford. Welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today, live on the Sports Grid TV network. I am Frank Stanfield over at the FanDuel Sportsbook at Metalsman. My BFF joining me here for the first hour of Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mish will join us in the second hour. Uh, he's currently at Detroit Tigers camp getting some Tigers interviews. I believe he's about to talk to some Houston Astros as well. So we got some fun stuff coming for you guys later on in the week as well. Uh, Greg, I realized I didn't even get the opportunity to ask you. How was your weekend? How'd you sleep last night, buddy? I thought we were going to do this at 3 o'clock p.m. Eastern here on Sports Grid. Uh, my weekend was good. Well, you know, Frank, I, I played spike ball yesterday, our season opener. I tweaked my back. Oh, very nice. I, I am in pain. It hurts a lot. So does that mean you didn't sleep well? I, was, I actually slept well. I was very comfortable. But the right side of my back is in dire pain at the moment. It really hurts. 
All right, Greg. So maybe we can get um, Mike Cardano to expense a masseuse on the BFS later today. I feel like that would make for great programming, just seeing uh, Greg Sussman get sprawled out on top of the table and, and rubbed down by a masseuse. Can we make that happen? If you don't think that I would immediately take my shirt off and lay on this table <laughs> after I wiped it down like, a lot of times, uh, you are dead right. wrong. Uh, <laughs> let's go. Come on, Greg. Let's get a massage this BFF later on today. Let's uh, let's make it happen here on the show. Uh, Greg, the projected rotation for the uh, Kansas City Royals. Not really all that exciting this upcoming season. Uh, I think the lineup is obviously a lot more exciting uh, with guys like Jorge Soler and Adalberto Mondesi. But here in the rotation for the Kansas City Royals, we're looking at Brad Kella at the top. Danny Duffy, the ghost of Danny Duffy, just won't go away. Jacob Junis. Mike Montgomery, that's right, the Mike Montgomery used to pitch for the uh, Cubs and Mariners back in the day, left-handed pitcher. Uh, and I put Jorge Lopez here rounding out the rotation. I believe that they're having a position battle throughout spring training to figure out who's going to be the fifth starter. There's not a lot of depth in this rotation. Unfortunately, I don't think that there's a lot of talent here as well, Greg. So before we jump into the bullpen, are you interested in anybody when it comes to the Kansas City Royals starting rotation here in 2020? No. It's interesting that like, Trevor Rosenthal is on this list, but in, in general, uh, I'm not. I did the Jake Junis thing uh, each of the last two years. I was reading about Danny Duffy over the weekend, and I was like, I could definitely see you. He's old enough. Yeah, you'd great. Be interested in him for sure. Um, yeah, let's do it. Yeah, I, you saw that coming a mile away. But in general, no, Frank, I'm not. Uh, yeah, so Danny Duffy, there has been news out of Royals camp, Greg, that his slider has improved velocity, and he's throwing at like 86, 87 miles per hour, whereas the past couple of seasons he's been, you know, 82, 84 in that range with the slider. So just something to pay attention to, the improved slider velocity for Danny Duffy this upcoming season. Uh, and so far in the spring, obviously very limited sample, he has pitched six innings, four hits, Zero runs, one walk. The one walk, nine strikeouts, really good ratio there. So uh, just pay attention to the slider velocity with Danny Duffy this upcoming season. Apparently Brad Keller has been working on an improved curveball as well, but the results have not been uh, as fortunate for him throughout spring training here. So I'm with you, Greg. Like I'd like to make the case for somebody. Maybe it's Danny Duffy outside of him. Like I'll take him in the reserve rounds in a deeper league, obviously AL only, but 12-teamer, you're not – paying attention to someone like Danny Duffy uh, outside of maybe streaming him in season for some good matchups or potentially a two-star week. But I can't really get behind the Brad Keller, Jake Junis, uh, Mike Montgomery group here with the Kansas City Royals. But I think somewhere else that you could potentially find some value here is at the back end of the bullpen. And Ian Kennedy is projected to be the start of the closer for the start of the season here in 2020 and had a resurgence last year, Greg. I mean, he was really good. We picked him up in a few spots last season, wound up with 30 saves, over 10 Ks per nine, improved command last year, 1.28 whip, 3.41 ERA last year for Ian Kennedy. Uh, any interest in Mr. Kennedy here, Greg? I don't. I don't. Solid strikeouts and and yeah, as long as he can remain healthy, I think that he's probably the guy for the Royals, uh, unless, of course, they trade him as well. Is it weird that like, I'm, I'm the one that's buying in on Trevor Rosenthal? Like, I'm buying this whole Rosenthal's got him improved. He's still young enough that we can take back over the closer spot. Ian Kennedy had a good year last year, and after having like a four ERA forevermore, I am not buying Ian Kennedy in 2020. I think Trevor Rosenthal finishes out the year as a closer in Kansas City. 
Yeah, and right now Trevor Rosenthal is throwing like 100 miles yeah. per hour throughout spring training and uh, obviously has some allegiance there with uh, Mike Matheny as the manager. Remember, uh, Trevor Rosenthal used to be the closer for the St. Louis Cardinals when Mike Matheny was the manager with the Cardinals back in the day here. So, you know, he's made four appearances so far. Trevor Rosenthal has four innings pitched, two hits, zero walks. I think that's the biggest key for Rosenthal. Can we see improved command out of Rosenthal? Uh, he has eight strikeouts, so averaging two strikeouts for any pitch so far here in the spring. I don't want to just completely downplay Ian Kennedy, but he was much better last year than basically any of the past couple of seasons. In 2018, he had an ERA over four. In 2017, he had an ERA over five. He's consistently had a whip over 1.3. So I understand the skepticism when it comes to Ian Kennedy, Greg. And of course, if he pitches well, there's a chance that he is traded away from the Kansas City Royals. So uh, I think a back-end closer to in deeper leagues and 15-teamers or, you know, uh, you know, someone that you target in AL only for saves. But I'm with you, man. I, I am a little bit interested there in Trevor Rosenthal as the handcuff uh, later on in those deeper drafts. AL only, a lot of NFBC main, um, draft champions drafts going on right now. I've actually grabbed Trevor Rosenthal in a few spots already. Greg, we mentioned the rotation here, not very good when it comes to the Kansas City Royals, but help could be on the way because they do have two of the top pitching prospects in all of baseball here in Brady Singer and Jackson Cower, uh, both former first-round picks in 2018. Just to give you a little idea of what they did last year between high A ball and double A, 285 ERA, 119 whip, 138 strikeouts for Brady Singer in 148 and a third innings pitch. Jackson Cower also in high A and double A last year, 352 ERA, 124 whip, 144 strikeouts. Greg, the thing is, I'll bring the names up just because we should talk a little bit about the prospects here in the organization as part of the team preview with the Kansas City Royals. I don't know how much we are going to see them this year. Maybe August, maybe September call-ups, but obviously the Royals are playing the service time game with these two starting pitchers, and I think they're more of 2021 prospects. Would you agree with that assessment? Probably so. You're probably looking at 2021 guys. I think you want to like Brady Singer. You gave out the numbers, and you have them on your screen right now. I think Singer's going to be good, man. I think he's a pitching prospect that you're going to want to watch. Um, I don't know that we're talking about 2020, but if he gets off to a hot start, in, in, in the minors here the first half of the year, is it crazy that I think we'll see him next summer? No, I don't, I don't think that's wild either. I think Brady Singer is the one I'm watching out for, Frank. Uh, maybe it's the pedigree there, but I, I like Singer. I think there's a future there. All right, Greg. I, you know, it must have uh, slipped my mind. I omitted maybe the biggest prospect here in the Kansas City Royals organization. His name is Chance Adams. Any interest in the former Yankee great, Greg? Maybe he sneaks into the back end of that rotation. No. I, I don't have any interest in Chance Adams, Greg. <laughs> you don't want to take a chance on Chance, Greg. Take a chance on Chance. Take a chance on Chance. No, thanks. I'm good. All right. Well, Greg winds up with a nice jingle there, but uh, in terms of actually drafting Chance Adams, he is going to look the other way, even though he's a former Yankee prospect. Greg, normally you you love the former Yankee prospects. I know Rob Refsteiner is probably going to be on one of your teams this year, right? Dude, Rev, Rev had a big first game with the Rangers, man. Hit that home run. We were talking about it. You were amped. <laughs> I was like, why game. are we doing this on, like, Groundhog's Day? And you're like, dude, it's baseball. I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah, uh, I, I've kind of slowed down a little bit on the uh, spring training play-by-play, -play, uh, much to your pleasure, Greg. It's, been, so. it's made my life much there you go, more that's pleasant. 
<laughs> uh, that, look, that's all I'm here for, Greg. As your best friend, uh, my job is to make your life more pleasant. Let's move over to a few more prospects here in the organization. And these I think we might see a little bit more out of this upcoming season. Could potentially see some time in the outfield for the Kansas City Royals. And they are Khalil Lee and Nick Heath of the Kansas City Royals. Uh, you know, two guys that could potentially help you out in the stolen base department, Greg. Look at the numbers here. The hit tool is not there for either one. I will say that. They do have a, a big swing and miss in their game. There's a lot of strikeouts here between Khalil Lee and Nick Heath, but 53 stolen bases last year and 60 stolen bases, respectively, for Khalil Lee and Nick Heath, Greg. I think if you're doing some of these deeper drafts, the 50-round draft and holds, or you know, just names to pay attention to, keep in the back of your mind uh, throughout the course of the season, I think that we can see one of or both Khalil Lee or Nick Heath this year for the Kansas City Royals, and obviously speed is a major, major part of their game. Yeah, speed's awesome, but as you said, the hit tool isn't there, Frank. And if the hit tool's not there, they aren't able to get on base to steal bases. So that, that's a problem. You can't steal first. That's what we used to say about Billy Hamilton, Greg. Although we, they try. We have seen someone try to steal first before. Is that true? Yeah, but they I were... steal first. Is it the old uh, the swing and miss and the ball gets past the catcher? No, that that that's legitimate. But I feel like we saw tr somebody like go from second base and try to steal and go backward for some reason. All right. Well, <laughs> I don't know. We'll figure it out. Uh, if there's any way to make it happen, I think Khalil Lee and Nick Heath. Uh, There's something that they might have to look into this upcoming season. But the speed is there for days, Greg. I do want to help. I do want to thank you, Greg, for joining me here. First hour here on Fantasy Sports Today. I know later on the BFFs, we're going to do a little uh, whiteboard series. We're going to help you out. If you have the sixth pick in your 12-team league, we'll help you break that down uh, later on at 3 p.m. Eastern time on the BFFs. But thanks for joining me, Greg. I appreciate it. Uh, we'll have Craig Mish here in the second hour as well. Uh, good luck with all your uh, NBA DFS content there, Greg. I appreciate it. We're excited. I'll be talking to Drew, Drew Dickmeyer in, in a little bit to preview tonight's three-game NBA slate. I look forward to it. All right, I look forward to uh, our little snippet on BFS of the NBA tip trail as well. We'll find out what Drew Dickmeyer has to say about the DFS slate later on tonight, the three-game slate, as we mentioned. When we come back, we're going to continue with the Kansas City Royals preview for fantasy baseball this upcoming season. Craig Mitch will join the show as well via the phone line. He is out at Detroit Tigers camp right now. We'll reset with some of the top news items in fantasy baseball as well. We'll do all of that here, Fantasy Sports Today Live on the Sports Grid TV Network. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.